Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. Look, we're not going to be able to do a big show, a large show, a grand show on the Talking Tesla show until next week. Because, you know, Tom's going away and Robert's a working man and, you know, things come up, all right? But there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about because I just find them really interesting and I have a minute or two to discuss them. So let's first talk about Lucid Air, shall we? Lucid Air, as you know, is an EV car manufacturer which maybe is going to start sort of producing cars by next year. There's a prototype that's out there and car and driver got their hands on it and they drove this puppy around and Lucid Air is claiming that they are going to have a range on the long-range version of this sedan of 517 miles. Did you hear that? 517 miles. It's going to come in a 100 kilowatt hour version and a 130 kilowatt hour version, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now, I think it was car and driver, but somebody uh, got their hands on this puppy and drove it under what they considered more real world circumstances and still got like 450 miles. The point is blow right through 400 miles range. And the question I have to you, listener, to you, is what do you think this is going to do to the state of mind of Elon? Now, Elon is clearly a very competitive guy. And Battery Day is coming up soon, in September. And uh, what do you think is going to happen there? I believe, it is my belief, it is my strong belief, that Elon won't stand for this. He's not going to stand for another manufacturer to have a range that's higher than the highest range in his cars. So the Model S right now has 402 miles range, 100 kilowatt hour battery. If, if he put in something like a 130 kilowatt hour battery, they could be getting well over 500 miles. Well, 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 well over 500 miles. So I would not be surprised if we are going to hear at battery day of plans for a 500 plus mile range, probably S, probably not X because it's heavier, and Y and 3 probably not yet. Although I do expect in the next few years, even though Elon keeps harping on the fact that 300 miles is enough range, I suspect that uh, the people out there are going to want uh, longer range. Now, you know, if you've listened to the show, that I think 400 miles is kind of the sweet spot because at 400 miles, you're probably really going to get closer to 350 miles of real world range. And what I mean by that is 70 miles an hour on the freeway. And... Fast charging. So you'd be able to go from zero to 300 miles pretty fast because even on a 250 kilowatt hour charger on a 3 or a Y, it's a 75-ish kilowatt hour battery. It goes really fast for a little while, but then it slows down. So if you've got a gigantic battery, in theory, it should be able to charge it close to that theoretic 250 kilowatts, say up to 300 miles range, and then slow down. So for a lot of us, that would be cool because I can charge it really fast to 300. And then if I want to hang around some more, sure. But probably uh, for most of us, we'll just go 300 is enough. Thank you very much. Hop on the freeway for another three or four hours. Do it again. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying this lucid air, well, it doesn't exist yet. That was a prototype. Anybody can make a prototype that goes that far. And Elon has said, we can make a car that goes a thousand miles. But, you know, is that the right car to make? So I get that. I get that. But you watch. You watch because this car is real, even though next year they're probably only going to produce a few thousand of them. It's still competition, and if it does very well, and I suspect it will, it's just going to put a little fire under Elon's buttocks, and that's what I want. I want a longer-range car. You know, as we get closer to battery day, I'm going to get more and more excited. Uh, what are we going to hear about? Again, we're going to hear, here's my opinion, we're going to hear of a cobalt-free or almost cobalt-free 
because we're basically hearing about that now. The question is when. I think we're going to hear new goop in the 2170s, which will increase the density, I'm going to guess, 20%. And we're going to hear of new ways of cooling the batteries that require less uh, stuff. And so theoretically, in the same sort of form factor, they'll be able to put more in there. We're hearing about sort of packs instead of, uh, you know, the, the canisters, as it were. So there's actually so much we could hear about. But just take it down a notch, even though Elon said, I can't believe the stuff that we're going to tell you. He's hyping it up, as he should, but uh, you don't want to overhype. I don't think we're going to see something like crazy, like a doubling of energy density and stuff. I think we'll hear something about how much per kilowatt hour, how they've got it under $100 per kilowatt hour. But I don't think we'll get exact numbers. So I'm, I'm just really excited about it. When will we actually see all this stuff come to play? Probably not until next year is, again, just a guess. As, you know, the factories ramp up and they can start to put in some of these new chemistries into place. And the fact that it looks like power walls are really hard to find right now. Being pushed out to 2021, they're really battery constrained again, it appears. And Elon tweeted out just a couple of days ago that they're really pushing hard on production. But it seems that with all of these cars that they're building and with all of these mega installations that are occurring, we've got one up in Northern California that is going to be gigantic and it's going to have enough battery supply to do, I think, San Francisco for about four hours. That's at Moss Landing. There's one down here in Oxnard near where I am and uh, they're taking out a gas peaker plant and they're going to fill up these batteries and that's going to be the peaker plant. So I think they're using a tremendous amount of batteries on this and the cars and so things are a little constrained and boy, here in California right now, we are having a gigantic heat wave. Actually, this heat wave is affecting about 150 million people here just in the United States. And it's one of these bizarre circumstances which, you know, does get hot here. But this is sustained heat and it's also associated with some cloud cover. So it's holding the heat in. So the solar energy, we're not getting as much as we would like. And at the same time, there is a COVID. And so everybody is inside and everybody is cranking the air conditioners. So it's like this perfect storm and they've actually had brownouts. But one of the things that can really help here, and some people said, see, that's why you need to burn coal and fossil fuels because it's getting really hot and, and renewables aren't cracking it, which of course is exactly the wrong stupid thing to say. And what it really is about is storage. We've got plenty of solar and we can build energy production using solar much cheaper than anything else. So it's all about storage. And so one of the ways we can do storage is that we can get those Tesla Powerwalls down to the point where we've got them everywhere. Like at my place here, We've got three and uh, at the other studio and at the other studio, we're getting them put in. So we've got three and that allows us during the day to run the house, run the air conditioning, fill up the batteries, charge the cars for a while and then overnight not actually pull from the grid, not be part of the problem. And in Australia, the Tesla is doing this thing where they're going to have like 50,000 houses having this virtual sort of power plant. So in the future, the key here is more and more storage. Some of it's going to be at the local level and some of it's going to be pumped hydro and some of it's going to be compressed air. But we can make plenty of energy. We just need to find ongoing better ways of storing it for these circumstances where you're going to have a week of this incredible, incredible heat as an example. So these are challenges for renewable energy. But to say, therefore, we shouldn't meet these challenges with renewable energy and just go back to burn fossil fuels, which is just going to you know, make things worse. It's ridiculous. And we're finally at the point, we are finally at the point where the cost of the technologies, the production of the solar panels and, and even battery technology, the cost of this is coming down so far. That is 
the key. It's going to be a mix of things, hydro and solar and wind and lots of things. And it's a complicated problem, but you don't fix the problem by going out and burning more fossil fuels. Thank you very much. The other thing that's grossly obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, because when you have a Powerwall, you can really see the energy that is used by your various devices when they turn on. If you're in the position where your like, air conditioner is dying or your fridge is dying and stuff, try and get the most efficient one. Now, there is sort of the part of the curve where the efficiency, the latest, sort of greatest, most efficient things can be quite expensive. But in general, I tell you, on days like today, I've got this split ductless system, which has a SEER rating of 21. Now, I don't exactly know what SEER ratings mean. I know that they're for air conditioners and it's about efficiency. But it can cool the office in a couple of rooms here using a quarter of the energy of my 16 or 14 SEER central air conditioning. And so these split air conditioners, these ductless systems, these heat pumps, spectacularly efficient. When you turn those puppies on and they're doing the same amount of cooling for half the amount of electricity, you think, well, it's probably going to pay for itself pretty quickly. Thank you very much. So if you can afford it, get the efficient one. Okay, I'm just saying, get the efficient one. And let's do a little SpaceX news. I think on the 18th of this month, there's going to be a kind of historic SpaceX launch. It's for Starlink. And it's going to be the 100th launch that SpaceX has done in its history, which is, I believe, since 2008. And it's going to be the sixth time they've reused a rocket, which will be their record. They've done five times, but this will be six times, and they're launching a whole bunch of of SpaceX satellites. And we're actually getting some information about the SpaceX uh, interwebbies. And it turns out that although there's only four or 500 up there right now, I should check my stats. One second. There's actually 597 of a planned approximately 12,000 satellites up right now. And there's people out there beta testing. So you can sign up. And if you're lucky and if you're in a northern enough latitude, you might be able to hop onto the beta. And uh, we're getting some speed tests back, which have been leaked. And these speed tests show download speeds of between 30 and 90 megabits per second and upload speeds of between 8 and 20 megabits per second with pings between 30 and I think as high as 200 milliseconds. What do we do with this information knowing that this is ridiculously preliminary, that uh, there are going to be many thousands more? I actually think it's good news. Some people actually try to paint it as, uh uh-oh, it's not very fast, it's not going to be gigabit and the ping's going to be long. And I say, uh, that actually looks pretty good to me when you have a fraction of the amount of satellites that you have planned and you're already getting those kind of numbers. I think this is actually probably very, very good news. As you know, if you listen to the show, I'm very excited about this. I'm excited about the idea that these low Earth satellites will uh, provide fast and reliable low ping internet across the world. So if you're in a big city in the first world, you can get an internet provider and get good speeds in most places. Although it is amazing in places like Australia where they're still sort of lagging significantly behind. And you've talked to most Australians about the internet speeds in Australia and they'll they'll talk your ear off. And even here in LA, you know, here in LA, I live in the San Fernando Valley. And it was only until not too many years ago that we could get fast, reliable internet. For a long time, you felt like you were in the rural outback, mate. But things in most cities, I think, have gotten much better. But if you live in rural America, rural Australia, rural Kenya, rural wherever, getting fast, reliable internet has been hard. And that was really a problem. If you're not on the grid, and again, in the time of COVID, if you're in rural Australia, you're rural Kenya, and your kids can't go to school and it's online, but your internet is basically zero or close to it, that's not very helpful. So I love this idea. I'm concerned about the fact that 
Some astronomers are very concerned about these low Earth satellites and even the ways they've been darkening some of the new ones, the test ones, they're saying that's still going to be a problem. I'm worried about that. So this is definitely a risk-benefit kind of a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, look, I could keep going, but I'm not going to. I'll just get this up and out there. And I do want to suggest one podcast to listen to, Dan Carlin's Common Sense. Dan Carlin. Now, he's a very famous guy, and he does a lot of history podcasts. And he used to be a famous radio guy. And he's kind of a libertarian guy. I, myself, not libertarian. But he's just his Common Sense series is really good. It's very thoughtful. And he's been talking, and he you know, didn't do it for a year or two or three, but he's come back and he's done a couple during COVID time. Mostly to talk about the current political situation, and it's really good. So if you want to listen to somebody who is very happy to rag on both the left and the right, and particularly the extremes of the left and the right, and if you want to try and understand how did we get here, how did we get to this place where there's just such division, and is there a way to get out of it, go listen to Dan Carlin's Common Sense podcast. I really think it's outstanding. If you just want to try and understand... How do we get here? And how do we fix it? Well, he hasn't got so many answers for that. But it's really useful. And it's really useful to look at, you know, the ways both the left and the right are doing things wrong. And of course, when you get to the extremes, you know, they sort of meet again at the other side like a circle. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Mel Hubbard. The show is Elon Today. Part of the Talking Tesla network of shows. It's a network of shows. I'll talk to you again soon. Hope it out.